Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Blast, and with myself, the Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand chum, bearded legends, the one and only Daddy-O, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 219. Wow. We are marching through the 200s. It'll be episode 300 before you know it. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in to last week's show. We really appreciate it. Again, we know that not everyone's in their routines, so um, appreciate people taking the time out to listen to a slightly lengthy show that it was last week. This week, though, we've got two games to review. We've got a week's worth of news, a fair bit happened, some birthdays, a load of your views and opinions, and we've got a very, very special guest joining us on the phone in the form of head coach Ross Embleton later on in this week's show. So we've got a fair bit to get through, so let's crack on. So without further ado, as always, we have a thank you to our sponsor. Yeah, our sponsors, you must know this by now, AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that covers all aspects of domestic and commercial work. And you know this, Dan Gould was even writing this on uh, Karen Harrison's timeline early in the week, they specialise in silicone colour render systems. <laughs> uh, best part is, Again, they offer 15% to all O's fans and staff and players. Many of you, along with the players and staff, have taken advantage of Adam's wonderful company and wonderful offers. If you want more info, there's four ways to get in contact with Adam. You can look at his shiny new glorious website www.ajfplastering.co.uk or he's on Facebook at ajfplastering or you can email him at ajfplastering at outlook.com or you can tweet him at bigadslofc on Twitter. Absolutely. So moving on then to the week that was. Coulson Monday, the 5th of October. Ladies team were drawn away to Dulwich Hamlet ladies in the Vitality Women's FA Cup with the tie to be played on Sunday, the 18th of October. That's next Sunday as we record today. So good luck to the ladies. Hope you do well in that competition. Yep, later in the day, the club confirmed what we already knew with the news that Royal Satiriu would be joining up with the Cyprus under-21 squad for their matches against Belarus and Holland and will not be back until Wednesday, the 14th of October, meaning that Royal would miss the upcoming game against AFC Wimbledon, Barrow FC and also the Walsall match. So we wish... Well, good luck, and we've got a bit of news for him a bit later on in the podcast. We absolutely have. We're going to move on now to Tahuay Tuesday, the 6th of October. The main event of today was obviously the AFC Wimbledon home game in the EFL Trophy. Ross Embleton named a side with Sam Sargent, Miles Judd, uh, Josh Coulson, Dan Happy as the back five uh, with Widdison, Wright, Clay and Dayton across the middle, Brophy, Angle and JND finished that lineup with the substitutes of Vigaru, Ling, Wilkinson, Dennis, Kiprianu, Sweeney and Shabani. Yeah, lots of changes there, but a decent team mm. nonetheless. I was really liking the young kids on the bench. Sweeney, Kiprianu, mm. Shabani. Yeah, it's good. As well, really good. Get them in. Yeah. Get them involved. Again, especially against opposition as strong as Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, very pleased with that. Yeah, yeah great opportunity and a decent 11. You know, it's a very squad driven 11, but a, a strong 11. And it's the beauty of having 24 odd players that you yeah. can actually do that uh, rotation. So, actually, we've probably never seen rotation being used to this extent. We've all, we've in the past had bigger squads, mm. but actually, now we're seeing full, full on rotation that no one's place is guaranteed for health reasons, for fitness reasons, for freshness reasons as well. So, yeah, very good yeah. to see that. We had a, quite a few tweets that came in off the back of 
this announcement. Uh, Dan Alton, 2590, said some people have got what they wanted in Brophy playing further forward. Hopefully I'm proved wrong and he is an absolute blinder. I still think it's too soon after the enforced break and not enough training in their legs yet. Though unfortunately, uh, not enough training in their legs yet though unfortunately. Pleased to see Judd back as well. I have to agree with that. I'm a big fan of Miles Judd. Yeah, I mean, obviously we hadn't seen him up until this point in the season, yeah. um, but he was in the starting eleven. Lots of people willing him to do well. John Crabfree tweeted us, said, personally, please, Willowson is back at left-back. He's a better defender than Brophy, who needs to show some end product in the final third, not just look dangerous. Orient Liam said, hoping Judge... Judd, sorry, has a blinder tonight. Needs to prove to Ross why he should be starting. Yeah, Gorillas 1985 said, the forgotten man, Judd, is back. Happy is definitely captain material for the future. Mm. Roll on another cup win. So that tweet was because Dan Happy was named captain. as captain Great for the first time. Yeah. Considering Josh Coulson's standing right next to him. Brilliant. Uh, interesting. Uh, Deadly Monkfish, Happy as captain, also picking up on that. Says there's an interesting move, preparing for life after Coulson and Wright, question yeah, mark. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, mm. lots of contracts uh, coming up <coughs> in the summer. Yeah. We'll obviously keep our eyes peeled. Um, as everyone will. So the match kicked off on a cold Tuesday night in East London, with both sides making a number of changes from their weekend lineups, as you would expect. In the ninth minute, Liango was in the right place at the right time, in the different box, in our own box, as he cleared off the line after Callum Bay's shot for Wimbledon had Sargent well beaten. Ball was flying into the net. Angle made a great block on the line to stop it from being 1-0 well played to Lee Angle in the 22nd minute our first chance of the game came as a JMD cross was met at the bet post by Lee Angle who couldn't keep his header on target and in the 32nd minute a penalty for Orient as Brophy was brought down in the box by Alexander an absolutely no-brainer of a penalty well played Brophy that's exactly what I want to see from Brophy in that position running at a defender making his man commit, making his man commit at the wrong time, winning a penalty and a great chance for us to get the advantage. Brophy's just won a penalty. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Thank you. Sorry, I was just making a note later on in the uh, thing that's just suddenly uh, come to me. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, uh, Brophy's very dangerous. If he gets on the wrong side of you, just don't touch him because he's as light as a feather mm. and he's going to absolutely gonna go, go down. down. So, uh, Liangol, has he buried the penalty yet? No, but he's about to. So, Liangol oh, stepped up. up. Bottom right-hand corner, keeper went the wrong way, 1-0 to the Orient. Decent penalty, yeah. hit the target. Made the keeper go the wrong way, which is always a, a blessing. AFC Wimbledon, though, huffed and puffed without making Sam Sargent really work uh, the rest of this half. And the O's didn't really create anything either. And after a minute of added time, the half ended with the O's going in a goal to the good at half-time. Yeah, so in a change of new signing announcement tactics, the Orient media team announced the lone signing of West Ham centre-back Olatunji Akinola from West Ham they kind of teased it before the game and alluded to well they said there would be a signing announcement on Orient TV um, at half time it was Akinola me I haven't heard of him before um, but he's highly fought off uh, by Ross who spoke very highly of him West Ham have a good youth system obviously we played him in pre-season I think Akinola featured in that one they thumped us my only question is is he better than what we already have so is he going to get into the team ahead of Happy probably not ahead of Coulson no Head of Turley when Turley's fit, probably not. So I, a good squad addition, but one that got me really excited, probably not. But then I might be doing him a massive disservice. Yeah, I think it's probably just for cover. Yeah, because we are playing Saturday, Tuesday every week. 
he obviously impressed enough and impressed the West Ham team enough mm. to say go out on loan um, because at the end of the day if he's just going to sit in there under 23s then you'd obviously question his ability and ambition um, uh, from a coaching perspective but again I don't know anything about him either I think it's one of those that you're going to have to sort of wait and see yeah, yeah. let him get his chance and see see how it works out well his chance is obviously going to come because we'll speak about what Barrow. happened in Barrow but you'd expect him to be featured quite heavily in the next two potentially three games yeah so there was no change at half time but just two minutes into the second half Leango was forced off due to injury and was replaced a few minutes later by Connor Wilkinson it, you know at the start of the season, we had quite a few forwards all vying for the places. Now, Saturiu's on international duty, and mm. it's typical that Angel pulls up with mm. a hamstring injury. But at the same time, you look at the strength and depth in the squad. You've got Johnson, Wilkinson, uh, Dennis, JMD. So still a lot of firepower with Saturiu and Angel missing. So potentially Makanoff? Potentially a wide. as a wide, yeah. I mean, I don't think... He's made for that position anymore, but could play there if needed. If so needed, lots, yeah. lots of strength and depth there, yeah. Yeah, but Zorin, who had a spring in the step as James Brophy drove forward in the 52nd minute and passed to Joe Riddison, who thought he'd scored, but their keeper just denied him that opportunity. Yeah, just before the hour mark, Josh Wright tried his luck from 30 yards out, just missed the target. And Wilkinson did superbly on the hour mark as he beat the offside trap, rounded the keeper, Zarnef who made a last-ditch save to deny Connor. So at this point, it's very much looking like it more chance of it being 2-0 than one on. Absolutely. And in the 61st minute, so just on the hour mark there, it was the first Orient substitution. Louis Dennis was replaced... Uh, sorry, Louis Dennis replaced James Brophy. Yeah, Dennis was straight into the action in the 68th minute, but he couldn't steer his shot on target and the chance was gone. That's 71 minutes on the clock now. Second Orient substitution making his debut this season. Jaden Sweeney replaced Miles Judd. Yeah, good sub there. So youth for youth, for youth almost. Yeah, I mean, Miles Judd's got to be coming up to... 22, 23 almost. I don't think it's young as well, we remember. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's time Judd really, and again, there's a few tweets I think post match, it's time for Judd really to make his mark on the team now. Um, really Because he broke through so him. early and had that such a good season when we were obviously under different ownership. But it had been coming, the pressure had been building, and Connor Wilkerson doubled our lead in the 74th minute as a superb ball over the top from Jaden Sweeney. Don't even been on the pitch for three minutes. Put Connor Wilkerson through who coolly beat his defender with strength, lobbed the keeper, Danny Johnson-esque style, to make it 2-0. Great finish there from Connor. Took it very well. Um, and that will do his confidence. The world of good. Well done, Connor. Great finish. I have to say, full credit to Jaden Sweeney on that. Um, because that pass is absolutely inch perfect, perfect for Connor. Runs in onto it. It's in his path. And... You know, he's making his debut there. He's not featured much in the first team at all, Jaden Sweeney. So to come on, all right, it's against women within the EFL Trophy. It's hardly like we, you know, top versus second and, and, you know, your life depends on it kind of stuff. But nonetheless, yeah, you can only do what as well as what's put in front of you. And he's done extremely well. I'm very pleased that he's uh, come on and had such an impact. I think it's really important and it will do his confidence the world of good as well. Um, AFC Wimbledon had a decent chance to claw a goal back in the 89th minute as uh, Robinson powered towards goal set up Radoni who did everything right but his shot just missed the target yeah, thankfully he should have scored that yeah agree he should have scored that so a bit of a let off there and three minutes of added time were played out and the ref brought the game to a close as Orient took the points with a 2-0 win to qualify to the knockout stages along with their opponents AFC Wimbledon 
with a game to spare. So, Mr. Levy, your views on the AFC Wimbledon game? Pleasantly surprised by this result, as I honestly didn't think we'd win, given the sort of health issues that the squad have had, and also the fact that AFC Wimbledon are in good form. What I hadn't realised was the fact that AFC Wimbledon had put out a much-changed side. Um, so, obviously, that's an impact as well. But nonetheless, the players that are in that side obviously want to do well so yeah, to be in contention for Saturday. So, it's a double-edged sword in some ways. Uh, delighted that two of the scorers are on the score sheet. Uh, sorry, two of our strikers are on the uh, are on the score sheet. And I thought it was brave of Lee to step up and and take one as he sort of missed one recently as well. So it just shows you that he's uh, he's uh, he's got some something about him as well. His responsibility and accountability. Obviously, really sad to hear that he's got injured and and hopefully the scan that he's had uh, in the week on his hamstring uh, doesn't show too much damage and that he can uh, recover quickly. Uh, it sounded like a good all-round team effort, which is uh, very pleasing and sets us up nicely for a long trip to Barrow, which is obviously, as we record this now, taking place. Yeah, I mean, de- decent game. Happy with the result. Happy with a clean sheet as well. I haven't seen too many of those this season. Happy to see Angle get off the mark. Obviously, in pre-season, he was flying. Everyone had their eyes on Angle, and Danny Johnson's <coughs> completely stolen his thunder from the right reasons. But good to see Angle get off the mark. Good run from Brophy for the penalty. Connor took his goal well. Like we've already touched upon Sweeney with a good assist. Mm. Good to see minutes for some players we've not seen this season. Judd got 71 minutes, although I believe he got injured and was taken off because he had tight hamstrings, I think Ross has said. Um, Sweeney, good to see Sweeney. And Captain Happy, has got a nice little ring to it, so we'll see what happens with that one. But all in all, a good night. I'm sure Ross would have been very happy with the night's work. Go for a good game to spare against Charlton, so we can literally put out a weakened team against Charlton if we wanted to do so. A I mean, that, I mean, that game really. nothing, really. We're yeah. through, Wimbledon are through, Charlton got nothing to play for in the group. So it takes the pressure off that game a little bit. So Yeah, true. Yeah, it's all good. All yeah, good. absolutely agree. Um, I was going to make a point, but completely forgot it now. So we're going to move on then to, <laughs> so those were our views. Uh, your views, a huge amount of feedback after this match. So thanks to everyone uh, whose views came in and took the time to, to message us to our social media accounts. Again, we try and read them out. And we try to cover as many as we possibly can. And just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. And we're going to start up this week with at Molly Folly 2019, who says, excellent performance, very happy. Controlled the game throughout. First 90-minute performance of the season. And guess what? Widdison at left back, Judd at right back, happy at centre back, Brophy on the wing, then Wilkinson through the centre. It's not rocket science, <laughs> is it? Les LK52 said, a really good performance. Every player put in a good shift and a real confidence booster. Just hope Angle is okay, but overall, £10 well spent. That's alluding to the cost of Orient Live. He said, might be the Timpot Trophy, but we look to have put the issues of late behind us, encouraging performance to build. I mean, that was very important to get over that Cheltenham defeat, which really didn't feel like a fair match in any sense of the word. Mm. And we come back three days later yeah. um, and given a good account, a good performance, and squad players have done themselves absolutely no harm in that. So, yeah. I- as good as what it could have been that game I agree with you on that and I think the other aspect that I was going to mention the other point I was going to make was had we have lost that game to Wimbledon then we'd be having a very different conversation yeah. about it wouldn't you yeah absolutely um, Steve Chaplin 4 said good performance against the team a league higher defence looks solid and a lovely chip from Wilkinson yeah the menace 18-81 said much better really enjoyed that team looking good very impressed with Sweeney PM31970 said good workmanlike performance Judd did well at right back Sweeney did well when he came on Hopefully Angle isn't injured badly. Yeah, Paul underscore LT2P said, very good result. First 90 minutes performance of the season. Second person to say that. Good referee. Mm. 
Well, it's nice when the referee plays well, you know. Fair play, good referee. Onwards to Saturday. Dear Stu said, looked solid throughout some very good performances. Bit worried about the injury to Angle. What a ball from Sweeney and a finish from Wilco. Wright is a big improvement from Saturday. Very impressed with Juddy and also a welcome to Akinola. Yeah, the final word on AFC Wimbledon went to Richie J. Bourne. He kept it short, he kept it sweet. He said, a great team performance, only the EFL trophy, but important to get back to winning ways with a strong, competent display I like that to me that's exactly how I would have summed it up if yeah, I competent dis- strong competent display yeah, yeah absolutely so the design can be prediction league update and just for those who are, are not familiar with uh, at design cabby design cabby specialise in company branding advertising print digital and logo design specialists and all LOFC fans get a 15% discount from his rates as well you can find James on social media at Design Cadby, uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can email James now if you've got any uh, inquiries to make. Hello at James Cadby, C A D B Y dot com. So, well done to at LOFC08 who predicted 2 0, so he got three points. And well done to our sponsor who tweeted, <laughs> although he tweeted and he changed his mind, which we don't normally allow, but he tweeted his mind and he got four points instead of five. So, James. Well done for getting the right score, but unlucky, because if you would have kept your initial prediction, you would have got five five points. So full (laughs) prediction league table roundup will follow later in the podcast. Wednesday the 7th of October then, as we move forwards, the club announced the game away to Walsall. So this is important for everybody who may have missed this. The game away to Walsall that's been rearranged for next week, uh, or this coming Tuesday, sorry, the 13th, is now going to kick off at the earlier time of 7pm. So that is Walsall. Tuesday the 13th is now a 7 o'clock kickoff. And later in the day, the club announced the away game on Tuesday the 20th, that's the following Tuesday, against Tranmere. He's also been moved forward to the earlier time of 7 o'clock. That's one to keep your eye on, because Tranmere have had a COVID mm-hmm. outbreak. don't know if you saw this. They Tramier. had a whole youth team literally Tramier. play yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, so hopefully that one goes ahead. That and they one, drew as well. Was it Salford? They got a, they scored in the 86 and 90th minute to get a two-all draw away to Salford. Dangerous, that. Yeah, well done to Tranmere. Hopefully that one goes ahead. That one, if there is a, a, a more of an outbreak, I think that For the North West might be in lockdown, eh? Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that. later in the day, the hat trick is the club announced the visit of Exeter City on Tuesday, the twenty seventh of October, will also be a seven pm kickoff. So all three of the next games on Tuesday nights all being moved to seven o'clock. I think that's a pattern that we'll see a lot more. We also saw the Grimsby game last week, which is coming up this Saturday, get moved to half past five as opposed to three o'clock. I think in the current climate we live in, we might see three o'clocks become later kickoffs and. Later kickoffs on the Tuesday become earlier kickoffs, so teams yeah. don't have to stay overnight overnight yeah. in places. But I makes think that's sense to do it that way. But then it, it's is it is it harder to travel and play on the same day? Mm. But I guess it's all more about the health side of things. So that yeah. covers Wednesday. Then we move on to Thursday, the eighth of October in the afternoon. Ross Embleton was live on the club's official YouTube channel, previewing the upcoming fixture against Barrow and giving updates on the squad. Yeah, yeah. We won't obviously go into too much detail about that because we've got our own. Official or an outlet podcast interview coming up with Ross. So, Mooney, Friday, the 9th of October. Happy 28th birthday to Louis Dennis. Louis, we hope you had a great day. Also, on the Friday, ahead of World Mental Health Day, the club put out a powerful video with Martin Ling talking about mental health. It's about five 
and a half minutes as always Martin is very honest uh, very well spoken it was a great video actually great soundtrack great shots well done to everyone who put that together also on Friday Royal Sotiriu was in action for Cyprus under 21s away to Belarus and he scored an early goal as his team ran out 2-1 victors well done to Royal another international goal for him then and to end the day late oh, in the evening friend yeah. of the podcast Errol McKellar was awarded the title of MBE in the Queen's birthday honours list congratulations Errol thoroughly thoroughly deserved that and absolutely all round top guy genuinely nice man so couldn't be happier for you all the lives that you've saved all the hard work that you've done all the awareness that you've raised on of such a terrible illness absolutely thrilled for you congratulations and uh, we look forward to seeing you hopefully in the flesh sooner rather than later, which then we move on to Saturday the yeah. 10th of October. So it's World Mental Health Day, and as we say every t- time this time of year, it's okay not to be okay. You know, you speak up and don't be ashamed to admit it if you have Absolutely. Problems. Yeah, we've all done that. It's been a very tough year for everybody, so more now than ever. Um, happy 60th birthday to ex-O's boss Russell Slade. Picked that one up a little bit late in the day, so we didn't tweet. <laughs> and I don't think he's on Twitter, so it wouldn't have mattered either way. To be fair, I saw it, but I just thought, oh, it's a match day. There's loads going on. Slade knows we love him. He, we know he's got no hair. He still doesn't care. He's 60 years old. We love yeah. him, Russ. I think he's still helping Alex Ravel out a little bit at Stevenage. Yeah, I mean, he's doing all right, Ravel. Ravel's is all right, they yeah. They got a 0-0 draw away to someone. Mansfield yesterday. Mansfield yesterday, yeah. And could have nicked it. They the post that absolutely just took the words out of my mouth and also the fact that they signed a lot of players yeah and they got a lot of publicity for their Burger King amazing uh, yeah thing. very good very they good did that, and they did that really cleverly as well I can't remember if they did it through a computer FIFA. game I think through FIFA last year's FIFA or the hashtag everyone like, got Messi and Ronaldo wearing Burger King Stevenage outfits on and got the free publicity yeah. so they don't actually have to pay Ronaldo and Messi for it Genius. amazing so the big event on Saturday was the trek to Barrow AFC away <coughs> before the game we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the Owls would get on in this one we had 235 votes in 24 hours new voted as follows 16% thought that Orient would lose another very low vote coming through with Orient to be defeated lower than we normally see right? <laughs> much lower yeah 26% of you thought the game would be a draw and 58% of you are confident 58% for Orient would win the game and as always thank you for all of your votes so at 2pm the team was announced with Lawrence Vigoro in goal back fourth Sam Ling Josh Coulson Dan Happy and James Brophy from midfield Oos Cissé Craig Clay James Dayton and up top Louis Dennis Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson on the bench we had Sam Sargent Akinola, Widowson, Mackinough, Kiprianu, Wright and JMD. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess from my perspective, I didn't really sort of have much of a view on this because I think you know, we've got two solid teams to put out and whatever you're going to put out is going to be a tough a tough team. Obviously, he's made a lot of changes from the from the team on Tuesday. Rightly or wrongly, I don't know if, if part of it is down to injury or not. But um, yeah, again, it's a solid, solid team. All of those people on paper are first choice players. Is not a, we're not filling gaps. There's no stocking fillers in any of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that that was the side I expected. Not many attacking options on the bench, but obviously with Angle missing, like we've spoken about, the Sotirio on international duty, that's the price you pay. But you've still got yeah. JMD who can come on and change the game as well as Mackinough. A few tweets came in. To us at Orient Outlook when this team was announced, Joe Jessner, 16, said, 
He's ignored all the strong performances from Tuesday. No Judd, no Widowson. Well, <coughs> Widowson was on the bench. Brophy back at left-back. Yeah, Alan Reeves too said, honestly can't understand this persistence with Brophy at left-back. He was superb midweek playing further forward. This is complete nonsense now. Big ads. LOFC said, expected squad rotation due to injury to Angle and also individual fitness. Good to see Clay get a start. I think it'll be a while till we see a regular pattern in our starting 11. Yeah, good to week, like we've already touched upon, the Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Makes it very tough to get a consistent 11 without yeah. knackering those 11 out. And you've got a big squad, use, use them. them. Yeah, absolutely. Get, get the minutes in the legs and all of that, as they say. Yeah. So the match kicked off with the O's and Barrow playing in the Football League for the first time since 1969, the summer of 69, with the O's looking... Oh, I like it. Well done. Thank you very much. O's looking to bounce back from last week's league defeat. One for you, Brian Adams fans there, uh, to chart them against Barrow, who were winless this season, but they were unbeaten at home. Yeah, so... These are record, that, to be fair, for their first... Um, foray if you like for so many years and I did not realise that ex-Blackburn midfielder David Dunn done. was their was their manager yeah. I had no idea who their manager was to be well, honest with you so the I guy who was their manager Ian Everett who got him promoted went he to Bolton to... in the summer yes he did and then they bought Dunn who seems to be doing okay they've when they've, they've, never, they've not been trounced when they've lost they've lost like 1-0 one one nil, nil, yeah. and, and their home ties their draws they've been like ahead and then they've conceded right so it was always going to be more of a difficult game than what I think people realise. Because you look at Barrow and you go, oh, we'll win that. Without yeah, having any concept. That's of... a six-pointer, isn't it? All season, that's like <laughs> yeah. three points. So the O started the better of the teams. Unlucky not to be ahead in the fourth minute as Danny Johnson hit a looping volley, which was well saved by Dixon. It was. Sam Ling was booked in the seventh minute, but worse was to follow as just two minutes later, Dan Happy was shown a straight red card, from, card for bringing down Luke James, who was running through at goal to leave the O's to play the remaining 18-8-0 minutes with 10 <laughs> men. Red card, for sure. Yeah, I... Orient fans will always argue the case of their team, but when I saw it... Because I, like, I, I wasn't watching it live, so I'd seen all the tweets going on, oh, very harsh red, thinking it would be like a... I read that I would contemplate, and I saw it, and I was like, no. That's all day long. That's, <laughs> he's pulled him down, he's through on goal. If he doesn't pull him down, he's gonna he's through on goal, and he'll shoot. So, yeah, it was a red. Unlucky. I mean, it's disappointing that it's come from a keeper's long ball up. It's a very simple boot up the pitch from a keeper, a flick on, and then they're in behind. Yeah. Um, I dis- think going to be disappointed in himself over that, um, because he was the last man, so actually he has to be even more careful. But I've seen him do that a lot and right. get away with it. And that's not a good thing. And I've said to various people around us, I've said he's got to stop doing that because one day he's going to get in trouble. And that day was yesterday. Um, he's got away with it before um, uh, because the ref has thought that my, the guy's probably just mm. dived. So, but not yesterday. By the, by, by the sounds of it yesterday, the ref was very anti-Orient. Yeah, I'm sure when we speak to Ross, I think he'll have pretty strong views on the ref's performance. So following that, Beedling took the free kick. He made Vigory work. Vigory made a superb save as he tipped the curling free kick over the bar. And again, we spoke about Vigory at length like this season, how well he's done. That was an absolutely phenomenal save by Vigory. Well done, Lawrence. Great absolutely, save. yeah. Uh, gets away with lack of credit in a lot of games. He goes about his business very, very quietly and doesn't get the credit, I don't think, that he deserves. It's usually the strikers and, and that sort of thing that get it. Ross Embleton decided to change things in, on the quarter hour mark and made the first sub of the game, taking off James Dayton and bringing on Joe Widdowson. Yeah, great. Not taking off a forward, so taking off a midfielder. 
So still having that presence up top, being confident, obviously, you know, you've got Johnson who's been on absolute fire. Yeah. Dennis and Wilco still up top. So no, good move there, but things went from bad to worse though. Did Dennis not drop back then, do you not think, to cover that Dayton spot? Oh, I don't know. I didn't want to. 4 3 2. Possibly. That's what I think, because for the goal, spoiler alert, we score. Um, it was Dennis that won the ball back yeah, in the middle of the park, which makes sense to me if he's been then moved back. Mm. If he's winning it in that spot rather than yeah. higher up the pitch. But anyway. We can ask Ross when he comes on. So at this point, man down, nil-nil, but things went from bad to worse. A neat passing move from Barrow. Good move, actually, to be yeah. fair. Saw the ball come to Kay, shot hard and low, gave Rigu no chance as he drilled the ball into the corner. And suddenly we were a goal down, and you're thinking, "Oh man, come on! This is a game you're looking at, thinking we'll take three points." And 16 minutes in, we're not only a goal down, but we're also a man down. So a bit of a mountain to climb. Yeah, and there wasn't really much to talk about for the next 20 or so minutes as we were looking for a way back into the match. And following a scrappy corner in the 39th minute, Lawrence Vigaru blocked a shot from Broth to keep the yeah. scoreline down. Three minutes of added time were played. Nothing to mention as the half-time whistle went with the O's a goal down, man down with all to do in the second half. We received a few tweets uh, late in the first half, early in the second. The first was from one Adam Conway. He said, most dangerous attacking player possibly in the league. He's stuck playing left-back. You wouldn't put Bale back at left-back as he has space to run into, would you? Fully aware Brophy isn't Bale, but the principle remains. The experiment needs to end now. And Wilco 300 said, won't get nothing out of this unless we can get behind them. Dennis or Wilkinson off, Akinola on, and move Brophy up to try and use his pace. Northampton last season springs to mind. So the second half kicked off, no further subs, so the O's kept it as it was. In the 49th minute, Josh Coulson went close as he headed, but only into the side netting. But it was all about the fox in the box again in the 49th minute as Danny Johnson levelled the scores. Louis Dennis won possession back just inside our half. Clay, Craig Clay picked up the ball and fed Johnson a beautiful through ball and the front man made no mistake with a powerful finish across Dixon and into the bottom corner to make it 1-1. That was a superb finish. He's hit it first time. He's not even taking a touch to control it. Just bumped it into the far corner. Great finish. And at the moment, Danny is not missing those chances. Well done to Craig Clay because the weighting of the ball and the timing on the ball was exceptional. Perfect. Like it was straight onto Johnson's run. He couldn't have passed that any better had he tried. So well done, Dennis, for winning it. Well done to Clay for playing the ball through. And Johnson's now on, I think, is it six this season? Six and seven? Six and seven or seven and eight, something like that. Well played, Danny Johnson. Long may that continue, that man. Absolutely agree with you. The saviour, Danny Johnson, still had a lot to do. And as an informed striker, he's not going to miss those chances. And thankfully, he did what he does best. And it was a good tackle to win the ball back, as you say. And a superb ball from Crow Clay. It's absolutely all-round good goal for me. Yeah, remember, he's the fox in the box. He's not the ginger Pele. No, he isn't. He is the fox in the box. Matt Harold will get very upset <laughs> about that. So the ref really should have levelled the playing numbers up on the hour mark. Because Danny Johnson was... Shut well, we'll say shoved into the advertising boards, but the referee only issued a yellow card to Louis Hardcastle. And indeed, Jane Cissé also got booked for their troubles for reacting to the initial challenge. Absolutely, Orient made their final two subs in the 67th minute as Louis Dennis was replaced by Joby McEnough, Sam Ling was replaced by Tunji Akinola, who made his football league debut. Yeah, shows you the strength of the subs we have. You know, two good players coming yeah. off, but more than two good players coming on. Louis Vigoro 
was called into Luke? action again. Lou? Lawrence Vigor. Lawrence Vigor. <laughs> so many Louis and Lawrences in this match <laughs> report. Was called into action in the 72nd minute as he turned Taylor's shot round the post. Again, that was another of a good save by Lawrence. Yeah, he's done very, very well. He's a tall boy, but he can get down quick. Octopus. Yeah, we're going to fast forward now to the 87th minute and a contentious moment as Connor Wilkinson was brought down just outside the Barrow box. Barrow considered it a great challenge, but I think Orient felt it deserved a free kick at the very, very least. But the referee waved play on. Yeah, five minutes of time were added on. Barrow had two great chances to snatch the three points. First, James lashed a vicious drive off the top of the post before time <coughs> provider as he scooped across to the back post for Kay, who somehow headed over from close range. Kay really should have done better there. And it would have been a completely different outlook on the game had that one have gone in. But the rest of the game has played out as the referee brought the game to a close with Orion coming back from a man down and a goal down to earn a very well and hard-earned point. And I do believe on the line that we have the third outlooker making his Orient Outlook podcast debut of this season. It's the one and only head coach, Mr. Ross Embleton. Welcome back. Ross? Thank you. Well, uh, thank you for... Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Pleasure. Pleasure is... Can you, can you, you, can, you, you can hear me okay? This is, the, um, this is a weird way of doing it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, we're used to having you <laughs> sat in the same room as us, but a, a telephone uh, a telephone will absolutely have to do. How are you keeping? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Tired after a, a long time spent on a coach. Very uncomfortable. But, um, no, I'm okay otherwise. Thank you. Good. good. You both keeping okay? As well as can be, I think, in these tough times. It's always nice to talk to you and bring a smile onto our faces. Yeah. We, we appreciate how knackered you must be because well, it's a long way to Cumbria and back. Especially oh, my God. Club. Yeah, like nothing else. <laughs> and we travelled by two coaches because of the recent scenario. And um, one of the coaches was lesser than the other one, should I say. And you and, were on uh, the lesser one. A bit uncomfortable. So. Well, I've got to give up my seat for the boys, haven't I? I've got to make sure they're comfortable. So uh, I comforted the staff on the other bus. And it, it, well, yeah, well, there's, there's much, much better ways to travel. But having a point to come back with was uh, made it a little bit easier. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover the Barrow game. I'll ask you about your thoughts on the Barrow game in a bit. But first of all, thoughts on the season so far? Because it's been, again, with Orient, nothing's really simple. We had a great start to the season obviously had the whole COVID outbreak, games postponed, players not being able to train, um, and then came back and had a tough match against Cheltenham. And then this week, we've had a pretty good week with a win and a draw. So what, is, what are your thoughts on the season? I'm happy. Um, I think uh, it's really strange, isn't it, because of the mixture of cup games and league games there. And, and, and it's sort of not been like a... A clear run, you know. If you think you started the season and sort of banged out all the cup games in the first month or something, you would sort of look back and sort of say, "Yeah, well, that's how our season started." And we look at our league form, but it's sort of been so sort of stop-start in terms of when we played league games, when we played cup games. But to be uh, to have only got beat once in the first eight games of the season, um, I'd have been very pleased if you'd have offered me that at the start. Uh, I don't think we've quite, I know a number of the boys have said it, I've said it uh, publicly, but I don't think we've quite sort of really hit top form yet in terms of the way we're actually playing. But I think what we have started to discover is that um, 
that attitude, that grit and determination that saw us, um, what that we had in abundance in the year that we won the league. And you know, we, we've still got a lot of players in the squad that, 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 that went through that success. And I think um, we're now seeing it from the, the lads that have come into the squad in the last what, year and a bit. Um, so I think from that, that side of it, I've, I've been pleased. We've obviously conceded. Um, conceded some scrappy goals and, and these little things that we need need to buddy up on. But I think if um, I think if, if people had offered us the start to the season that we've had, I think uh, I'd have certainly taken it right at the beginning. And the squad you've added uh, added a few people uh, or added one or two. We, it's, it's been quite well documented. I think it's fair to say that the fact there isn't obviously going to be a big uh, turnover of players either coming in or going out. So are you sort of happy with the, the, the quality and the strength and depth that you've got in the squad? Yeah, I am on both of those levels that you just mentioned there in terms of quality, the strength and depth, the, the characters as well. Just to add to you know, what I just said, said about there is that... Um, I think we're seeing a different collective group all together now in terms of the, the way that um, the way that some of the players that we've seen as new players last year, have, you know, we've, there's a lot of uh, a lot more togetherness this year, and in, 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 in that attitude, and, and the um, we're now starting to see that we, we, you know, when we did sign those players, that the characteristics and the type of people that they are are good ones to to come come in and fit into our group. So I think that's um, you know a big 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 bonus for us um, I think it's, it's probably a good time to recognise per, from a personal perspective um, what the whole scenario was going to look like over pre-season there's so many factors that have gone towards uh, not making you know not bringing loads and loads of players in not changing loads and loads of things because of one because of the amount of players we had in contract I think that was always going to um, keep our recruitment um, down to a minimum because of the amount of players we already had in the building. And then to double that up with the, the responsibility that that then put on our board uh, and the club on a financial level, he's, he's, you know, has to be recognised. I think there's so many clubs in the league that uh, have had to turn over eight, nine, in cases, half, half, half a squad. Um, and then obviously replace those players as well. It sees sees a lot more comings and goings, and I think for for supporters and, and people pretty outside of, of me and the board, um, it, it's probably a little bit more exciting for, for people. But I think it's important to, to recognise it is that you know the, the squad was settled, the 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 group was never really going to evolve over the summer, and then to look at what COVID was doing to everybody financially, then it, you know, it, made, it, it was always going to make it really tough for us to bring loads in. But we're happy with the group we got. It's easy to forget the, the good, well, I, I, you know, blow me out of but the recruitment that we'd done in January in terms of the plates and the personnel that we brought in, um, they didn't have a lot of time to make an impression. I know, you know, I know Cease probably made the biggest impression on everybody and it was important that we got him done but I don't think Lawrence really had enough opportunity to show what he was about Danny Johnson definitely never um, so you know those three players albeit they weren't signed in this in this window they were um, they're still sort of very fresh and very new to the squad so although we haven't done loads and loads this this summer if you like um, 
there's you know, still sort of there's still some sort of fresher faces in the group, I believe. You talked about the evolution of the squad. Can I ask you about the evolution of Ross Embleton? In terms of, I feel, <laughs> I feel this season there's you've got there's a there's a different there's a different kind of body language and a stance to Ross Embleton than what there was last season. How have you evolved? A lot, I think. Paul, I, st- I still think I still think I'm me. I still think I'm being me. I, I've ju- I've just found a. Um, I don't even know if it's a different way of going about it, but I found I found myself. I suppose I think like like a lot of people, lockdown done some strange things to us all, didn't it? But one thing that it gave me was a real opportunity to look at what was right about the group, what I needed to do in order to improve and develop, and then it gave me so many other opportunities to look at things that I've never even considered before. I always always went to a Premier League football match and watched what the manager or the subs or, you know, people in my position or around my area were doing. I always had a real interest in, you know, taking note of what people at the top of the game always did. But in in recent times I haven't had the time and, and really the the, the like I say you know, it's, it's no secret that that I didn't want to be a manager before. You know, before everything that happened happened. Um, but it gave me a chance to look all those, look at all of those things. So, like when we shut down, the first thing me and the staff did was analyse us to death, watch us individually, collectively, um, identify what we were going to be, what we were going to be about, um, how we could get better, obviously, uh, and then. Uh, then I would sort of took upon me after after it, it got more and more uh, longer and longer that we were we were locked behind closed doors. I started to look at um, like what I was doing or not doing, what the top managers do. I spent loads of time. I've done loads of webinars. Uh, the LMA were fantastic during lockdown. There was a webinar every week uh, on different things. So I got real opportunity to learn from top top people, not just in football. But real top people to, to understand about management, about management of yourself, how you best manage your players, uh, and then I also got the opportunity to study what the what the top people, top players, top teams, and managers were doing. Um, because my life now and before lockdown, when when the season's running, he spent identifying every moment about what we're going to do to beat the next opponent. So I don't get to watch the England games. I don't get to watch. Man City, Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool, the top teams in the country. Um, but during lockdown, I did because we all had so much time on our hands. So I think there was a lot of um, self-analysis. And then in order to sort of make myself a little bit more settled, there was a lot of analysis about my team and, and what, what we were going to be doing this year to make us better. Amazing. So it's been a good, useful period, a good use of time during, uh, during unfortunately an unfortunately bad time. Um, and do you know what, Paul? It's really interesting that you say that. Sorry, mate. You know what I'm like. Once we start talking, I don't shut up. <laughs> no, you crack up, on, mate. <laughs> I think when when you say that, it is like with all of these scenarios that we're in, it's either let them let them knock you down, let them make life let them make life difficult for yourself, or embrace what's there. Do you know what I mean? Make the most of the situation you're in. And I think if you sit back and you know, like the like the, the two week period we had. Yeah, it was unfortunate. We felt a little bit hard done by, but if we all sit back and get the ump and moan and whinge and let it let it 
uh, let it affect us, then he's only going to affect one group of people, and that's Leighton Orient. And you sort of think, well, you know what? Try and make the best of the scenario. Try and uh, embrace everything that comes your way. And if you're going to get things wrong, things ain't all going to go towards go to plan. But you do give yourself a little bit more chance, I think, if you if you embrace those things and try to come out of it in a positive nature. What's been keeping you up at night? COVID protocols. <laughs> <laughs> God, I think they keep protocols, anyone up. Uh, conversations with the EFL, conversations with the local council, things that I never, I don't even know if managers do or did do those sorts of things, but um, certainly through the last couple of weeks, they've been the things that have kept me awake at night. Um, I am actually, it's tough at the moment because, um, you know, I feel a lot of the boys are performing and I feel a lot of them are ready to, to play and step in. So there's, there's a, a feeling for me at times where I think, am I right to change these players today? Do I, you know, do I leave the ones in? I'm really conscious that I don't want to leave the players vulnerable with all the travelling and the games coming thick and fast. So I think I'm more concerned and more worry about um, getting that bit right than I am actually picking the team at the moment. I don't know if that sounds a bit crazy, but I, I'm so conscious of the fact that I don't want anyone to get injured by by pushing them too far that um, I think that's sort of something that concerns me a little bit more than than actually outright picking picking the team for each game at the minute. I know the two go hand in hand, but that's probably the, mm. the biggest football uh, the, the, the biggest football um, Concern that lingers around, I suppose. And straight after the Cheltenham match, it was a busy week, wasn't it? We had a Tuesday match at home to Wimbledon, which we won two um, 0 on the EFL Trophy, and then after that, obviously, we had a massively long trip, probably the longest that we do in the season, apart from Carlisle to Barrow, and we got a hard fought point playing most of the match with just ten men. Yeah. And I think that, that epitomises what I was saying earlier about attitude and desire to do well. Um, what we, we sort of said before the game, that when you go to places like Barrow, you have to embrace what it's going to be about. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be windy. It's going to be everything that it was when we woke up yesterday morning. Me and a couple of the members of staff went for a run and it was... It was horrible. I don't think many of us ever thought we were going to go back to, to Barrow, but it, it, it was one of those scenarios where we needed the boys to know that you know we all know what it's going to be like here, what it was going to be like there. Um, but we needed to, to to make the most of it and come out, you know, come out, roll our sleeves up and come out fighting. And it's no more than you know, no more tougher than, than when you go down to ten men so early. So and then obviously they follow it up with the goal. You sort of think it's going to be a long afternoon, and <laughs> and to be honest, at times it was, but. I think what it does is it epitomises the, uh, the the boys' attitude at the moment that, that, that nothing's going to let us, um, nothing's going to you know set us back or hold us back. We're going to do everything we can to to get through it, and and, and we did. I was, um, it sounds strange, but you sort of come away in those scenarios where you sort of think to yourself in the whole situation, taking the circumstances in, into into consideration. It's it was almost like getting a win, getting over the line, and and getting that point at the end. So um, I, I was really pleased for the boys because obviously I, as I come on to the, to the show tonight and I heard you saying about the back end of the game and, and the, the chance that Josh Kay misses right at the death, you think if that goes in, it could have been so demoralising for the boys. Yeah. They'd worked so hard. And to see that fly over the bar for so many reasons was, um, 
was a nice feeling, to be honest. We're in a... For nothing more than just to sit on the coach on the way home, knowing we had a point, <laughs> rather than having to do five and a half hours without it. Unbelievable. And it was a bit of a different game for us, because we're not used to going down to 10 men, but there was a lot said on social media about the referee, and I don't obviously want you to get you in trouble in any way, shape or form, but do you... Your views on 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 the on on I don't know if you can talk about the referee's performance or do you yeah. speak to the referee after the game? How does that well, this work is, itself out? This is what this is what makes it really difficult. And I I think the last three games that we've had, I've gone in after the game to talk to the opposition's manager, and all we've spoken about for the first ten minutes is a referee. And and even if you look at like how we got back into the game against uh, against Mansfield like Lee fouls the defender before Danny gets uh, that's before Broth breaks down the left hand side and, and, and cuts it back for Ruel's goal we it's a foul on their defender and, and I think the worry for, for me at the moment is that referees there's no one in the ground to influence them so they're making their own decisions they're, they're not being you know there's not a big wave of noise that comes from somewhere that impacts even subtle things like throw-ons <clears throat> and, and and then you go to talk to them and they're so defensive that it, it's, it's actually not worth even engaging in conversation with them um, and and then you, you're not allowed now they've, they've, they've put this rule in place that because of COVID we're not allowed to go and speak to the referee after the game That's and that was my biggest that was my biggest point to him yesterday. It actually got to a point where I just said, "This is this is hilarious." Like we, some of the things that are going on. Danny Danny Johnson gets booked for getting pushed over an advertising yeah. holding. Uh, it's been, it's, it was unbelievable. And when I went to the ref at full time, I just said to him, "There's so many questions I've got to ask you." And he went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Talk to me in the tunnel, and I said, "No, what's going to happen now is I'm going to talk to my players, and you're all going to you're going to walk straight down the tunnel." as quickly as you can so I don't get anywhere near to ask the questions anyway so I might as well not bother just just leave you to it and it and I, I if, if if we lose that game yesterday I've got to stand up in front of a camera and talk and explain my decisions or my rationale or my reasons if I've got something wrong he don't he just gets in his car and drives home and with the greatest respect nothing ever comes back the other way no one ever tells you they've made a mistake no one holds their hands up it, it, it's. Um, I, I feel they're um, they're being exposed because there's no crowd in the stadium. I do, I do really think that is um, is part of it because the decision making is is is, um, is down to them now. Yeah, there's no there's no excuses, is there? Yeah, absolutely. Ross, the two biggest talking points that we got. No, are... and it's it's sad, isn't it? Go on, mate. Sorry, Go on, Ross. Is that me or you? Did I? No, no, no it's just a split-second delay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say that it's, it was sad. It's sad, really, that that's what ends up becoming the dominant factor in, in so many games at the moment, is that we're all walking off and it takes us 10, 15 minutes to get to talking about anything else about the game or anything else because um, because you end up occupied by, by some of the decisions that are being made. So hopefully it'll improve. Besides the um, the refereeing performance, I think the two biggest talking points that we got into our social accounts after the game was Brophy back at left back and the change from the first half performance to the second half performance. 
that we've seen a few times this season. And you can't you mentioned it in your post match again yesterday. What what's what's your thinking behind that? I think some of it is uh, the different ways that teams are approaching playing against us. So I don't know. I'll take it as a. Well, the boys can take it as a compliment, you know, where the teams are concerned. So that we, we analyse and watch them and see what they're doing. And, and then sometimes we come out in the first half and it's a little bit different. And it takes us that little bit of time to to get the message across. So obviously, we get a good period of time at half-time to really establish what, you know, what, what's gone right, what's gone wrong and how we can manipulate it. So I think that's something that as a group of staff and a group of players together, we've got to find a better way of, of doing that. Um, with the last couple of games, notably the, the Cheltenham game, I think I said it, but certainly, certainly this week I said it that we we actually, with all the stuff and info, information and nonsense that went on with it, the Cheltenham game ended up being a real good one for us all because afterwards we had a real good chat, collective chat about little different things that we felt we weren't doing. Uh, as a team, what we needed to improve on, you know, little little things from staff to the players, that sort of thing. That, that as a collective, we just had a, a real good chat about stuff, and it, it's ended up really helping us. And I think we, we we come out of the Wimbledon game trying to be a little bit more positive in the first half, trying to try and find a way to sort of getting out the traps a little bit more. But like I said, there, I think obviously the, set, the sending off changes the game. Um, in the first half yesterday and, and trying to find that that balance of what we were trying to be before the sending off and then how we tried to sort of manipulate the team to make sure that we could um, stay in the game but still be a threat. We, we had to give the boys a lot of information and unfortunately it wasn't until half time that we really got the chance to do that. So very conscious of it. We, we, we need to start games with a little bit more um, impetus, I think, and, and really try and put the opposition on the back foot a little bit more. But um, we, we, <laughs> it's great isn't it? when you when you do things at half-time and it, and it comes off and, and, and things go right. But at the same time, we want to be able to start games and give ourselves a, a foothold and an opportunity to build rather than rather than coming back like Royal Rovers every week. <laughs> We're going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for the rest of this month and depending on what else goes on, maybe into November, but certainly for the rest uh, of this month. What impact is this having on your prep time and also the players' health? Prep time, uh, my weeks look like this. So on a Monday morning, um, obviously the boys that have played yesterday, they're still physically be in some sort of recovery mode so we don't really push them to a real physical level they, they, they come out and they train and they do do a bit of work but not to the same level as the lads that haven't played mm-hmm. so it makes it very very difficult to do anything with them that prepares us for the game directly so we will we do tactical work out on the pitch where we walk through a lot of stuff but we can't really do any 11 v 11 because the intensity of it is so varied in terms of... So as an example tomorrow, if I put Josh Wright up against Cissé, the, the dynamic of it is just vastly different because Cissé's run himself into the ground at the weekend and Wright, he hasn't. So they both need different things. So we have to try and balance training out to look... Um, look right and give them, for us to be able to give the boys information for, for, for Tuesday night's game. But it makes it obviously very difficult. Um, 
because we have to work, haven't we? So we're relying a hell of a lot on video work at the moment, um, which um, which which Joe and, and Charlie have been outstanding with. But the staff have really embraced it as well in terms of you know, just sending things over to the boys by WhatsApp because it's such a limited time, by sharing different videos with things, sitting down with the boys in units or individually, as well as obviously the collective team meetings that we do as well. So the video means a hell of a lot at the moment. Uh, Wednesdays obviously end up then also being the same because it's the day after the game. So it doesn't give us much chance to get the whole group sort of working at the same intensity. So at the minute, the only day really we get to work everyone properly, physically, all at the same level is Friday. Um, so obviously it, it limits us, but as I said to you earlier, um, not going not gonna to moan and groan about it. It's there. It is what it is. It ain't changing. It ain't going away. So we've got to be different. And, and I think the great thing for me is when people come to me and say, this is what you're supposed to do as a manager... That's how it's always been done in the past. means absolutely nothing this season. means nothing because it's completely different to any other season. So when someone tells me about experience and being this and being that as a manager, this one means completely the opposite because no one's ever been through it before. Mm. So um, it's about being creative. It's about trying to think outside the box. We, as coaches, we have to be different because we know that we can't do what we've always done to prepare a team but I like it it's great it's a test for us it's great to know that some days you have I think Friday we had 20 outfield players so 22 players training ready to prepare for the next day but then Wednesday morning we only had nine because the boys had all played the night before so it tests you it pushes you you know as coaches we've got to be ready and flexible and and good at our jobs and and, and then you know as time goes on and we keep winning games then you know, we'll see when, when we're doing right and if the creative way of thinking is working. And have we got many injuries in the squad? I, I know there, no one came off touch with yesterday, but obviously Jamie Turley was in the Orient Live studio and hasn't featured in a couple of weeks. I presume he's available, just not match fit. Yeah, Tulsi's, well, Tulsi's issue is the same as Jordan Thomas. They're the only, um, obviously, Leanne Gold picked up his hamstring injury, which I'll come to in a minute, but... Them two, Jordan Thomas and Tolls, are in the same scenario that they suffered longer with with illness than than the rest of the group. And then, therefore, have actually followed the official medical protocol that athletes should follow to return to to playing sport. Um, We've done a a presentation to the EFL that... Um, with real medical advice from top cardiologists uh, off the back of COVID uh, gave us a backing and support on about the timescales that should be given to players to recover, which is obviously like the 10-day isolation period. And then it was like a six or seven-day window where you had to work the players back to the level that, that, that pushed them close enough to be able to go and play elite sport. Um and Jamie Turley and Jordan Thomas are now going through that, and I think they finished their you know, box-ticking exercises on Saturday, so they'll be able to train properly with the group again tomorrow morning. So we should see them two back a bit closer um, to pushing for places, but certainly training amongst the group like that. And that's what everyone should have gone through, but obviously, you know, obviously we don't need to go over old ground, but we didn't get that opportunity. But uh, the only one really at the moment is, uh, obviously, Juddy's season's been a bit stop-start. He came off the other night with a bit of soreness in his hamstrings, um, but 
but Lee's one um, we think he's going to be out for certainly a couple of weeks anyway well we're hoping it's only going to be a couple of weeks but um, we sort of have to have to see how he recovers with that one Excellent um, I think from our perspective there was um, yeah we've gone through the um, gone through the uh, Barrow uh, match now um, just really um, just I guess to to round off then um, we mentioned earlier in the show that there's quite a few players out of contract come the end of this season um, I don't know with everything that's been going on uh, whether or not you've even had time to even think about contract extensions or com- arranging conversations around that has anything like that happened yet? Yes Yes, I mean, to be honest, that, that conversation was had during lockdown, to be honest, because it's something we're very conscious of. Um, I think you have to get that balance right when you're in people are in the last years of their contracts of being motivated and trying to earn a new deal or earn a deal somewhere else. If they, if they don't want to stay or they feel it's time to move on, that, that, that's another scenario to, to the situation. But I think it's something that has to be start to be addressed. I think the two factors that would influence it right now are the financial elements of and not just COVID and how it's impacted the club, but also um, the, uh, it's not financial fair play, but the salary cap that's been brought into place and how you balance that out. So for argument's sake, if you had a, I won't give figures away in terms of what players are earning at our club, but mm. if you had a player that's a top earner at a club and he's on 10 grand a week, well, next season he might have to be reduced to £1,000 a week. Do you know what I mean? I, mean, I know I'm throwing numbers out there that are a little bit wild and, and I can't be too accurate because I don't want to give people salaries up, but I think it's, it's trying to get the balance right to fit into the salary cap to extend, you know, if or when the time comes to extend players' deals. Um, you know, how do you improve someone's salary in these uncertain times and um, within the you know within the salary cap rules, and then how you balance the other players off in the squad in terms of you know players that are not going to be re-signed and um, and getting that bit right. So I think it, the answer to your question is it's been approached, it's been acknowledged. Um, we have another call. Uh, Nigel's obviously gone on record as saying before that we have a. It's a transfer committee, um, so we, we we talk regularly. We've got another call on it tomorrow, and that's one of the uh, points on the agenda that we talk about um, as to the best ways of approaching it and how how and when you know, the, the first sort of time is to, to, to start those recognitions and, and, and approach those players about signing new deals. But I think it's, 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 a, it's a tough one to approach with so many. Um, so it's worked out to be a good thing for us in terms of the stability of the group over this summer. But obviously, um, it's a tough one. Because obviously, the further you get into the season, uh, in, in terms of knowing what, you know, what 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 the best time to do it and, and when the best times are to go and approach those players about about um, their new deals. And, and, and you know, for, for some players, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? For some players, in the next few years, I think there'll be expiring contracts where people are wanting to be kept at clubs but having to reduce their um, their salaries or their earnings to start a club whereas normally if you're off to do a new deal at a new club it's it's always an improved amount of money or an improved you know improved terms there's a lot of grey areas in terms of the salary cap and, and our, our, our finances 
are going to impact it at clubs that, that are going to impact what and how you you negotiate those next contracts, I think. Ross, we'll let you go very shortly, but before we do, what's your message this evening to any Orient fans listening? Oh, it's an hard one, isn't it? Because uh, <laughs> I think the easy one for me to say would be is we can't wait for people to be back in the ground. And I think the uh, reassuring thing, if that is the right way to approach it, is to see that there is a lot of conversations, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot out there, isn't there, at the moment to, to try to get people back into stadiums, and, and it, you know it's logic that we that we should be able to go and do. I've gone and sat in a restaurant with my family this afternoon, and there's a big plastic sheet up behind me, but I can get up and go and stand next to the bloke on the table next to me anyway. And I think when you take the different considerations of when you can go and sit on a train and what you can and can't do, sitting in an open air football stadium seems something practical that we can all do. So. I hope that the, the fight continues to be had across the game in order to give people the opportunity to come back in because we are missing you so much. I'm gutted that we've won the games that we've won already this season and I haven't been able to to celebrate and make the most of it with people. Um, so I really, really do hope that we start to see people back in and around it because you, you, everyone that's listening is, you know, you are missed so much because it does make so much. And, and like I said to you earlier, hopefully it might make a few uh, referee decisions go according to plan as well. But I think um, the other side of it as well is, you know, I, I, I get the opportunity to look back at some of the streaming bits and pieces. So I hope everyone's being able to get their fix and stay in touch and see what we're doing and... Um, that, that you know, that's obviously a massive part, of, a massive incentive for the club as well. Uh, and I think the, the other thing for me is, and I, I keep saying it to people, but it blows my mind the amount of um, people that have bought their season tickets this year without having any idea when they're going to be coming back in, and uh, that means an incredible amount to everyone. So we continue to be uh, motivated and do everything that we possibly can to be a team in a very, very uh, good position and positive position. As soon as the turnstiles start clicking again, uh, people can enjoy a good, upbeat feel about their football team when they come back into the stadium. And also, we've put Barrow out of the way for you as well, so you ain't going to do that one. Well, for those that do make those sorts of away games, I think uh, thank you is probably in order. But, um, mate, you've been with us now for just over half an hour. Thank you very much for yeah. giving up your time. We know you've been away from the family for a few days and it's a Sunday evening, so thank you ever so much. Thanks for I'm everything. Gonna to, I'm going um, to reintroduce myself to my wife because I've been away for so long. <laughs> yeah, she'll be like, who's this strange guy walking in? <laughs> Thanks, mate. We wish you every success for the, uh, for the rest of the season and hopefully we'll have you back on uh, at some point yeah, sooner totally. rather than later. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Stop Ross. Around. Stay safe. I look forward to it. Take care, gents. You too. Bye, mate. Bye. So that was Ross Embleton live from his house. Thank you to Dan. Thank you to Luke for sorting out that interview. Thank you for Ross for giving up half hour of his Sunday night. He must be absolutely knackered. Knackered. So that draw with Barrow there means the O's are 13th in the table. Played for 1-1, drawn 2, lost 1. A goal difference of minus 1 on five points. But bear in mind, we have played a game less than most other teams in the league. So Mr Levy, your views on Barrow yesterday. Yeah, obviously glad we gained a point from the game where we spent more than 80 minutes with just 10 men. It doesn't sound like the referee helped us much, although our review of, of Barrow didn't really go incident by incident, so yeah. it wouldn't necessarily seem that obvious. But 
Um, you know, we fought for a hard-earned point today. It's never easy when you go down to 10 men, least of all for, for the vast bulk of a game. I think it's fair to say the players have got a never-give-up mentality, a resilience uh, that's been absolutely crucial for us. Uh, as Ross has just said there, you know, they're going to have to look at addressing that mm. first half versus second half balance and come out a little bit stronger. Um, we're obviously quite conscious of the time and didn't go into the Wimbledon why he got a 90-minute performance on Tuesday and not yesterday, uh, although I guess that's mitigated by the red card. But what a time for Akinola to make his Football League debut. Sounded like he acquitted himself pretty well. Um, it could prove a useful addition uh, to the squad as well. I think a lot of people seem to be getting hung up on the negatives of our game, but we've only lost one game in eight competitive matches this season which I think is yeah, a superb sure. record for us. One loss sure. in eight games, cup and league. Um, I think people just need to have a little bit of perspective uh, on things. And um, it's not just me being happy-clappy here in any way, shape or form. It, that's a fact. It's one loss in eight games. Yeah, well, and so that was Cheltenham after a Covid crisis, that, a yeah. match that we shouldn't have played. Yeah, I mean, Cheltenham won again yesterday. Cheltenham are flying. They're doing, doing very doing well. Really they, will do up. They, they'll be up there. There's no question. So for me, I mean, my views are quite short on this one. For Barrow will be a diff- difficult place to go this season. It's long, like Ross said. It's windy. It's horrible. Um, so a point, especially after being down to 10 men for 80 minutes, I think that's a decent point. I think you need to respect the point. But again, you spoke about team spirit. We showed that in abundance. And then Danny Johnson, we have a strike and a bang in form, flying with confidence. If he keeps this form up, we're going to absolutely have one hell of a player on our yeah. hands. So for me, I take the positives out of this one uh, and a decent point. So those what I have you. Lots of your views coming in. David Sears Free tweeted us at the full-time whistle and said, superb point, ref was appalling. Though Josh Colson showed his quality, as did DJ and Clay at times. Very happy with that point, credit to Ross. Billy Herring 3 said, Great performance with 10 men. Wooderson and Coulson were excellent at the back. Clay worked his socks off in midfield. Some important blocks from Cissé. No bad performances out there. Yeah, Boats, he said, Great point in the end after having to play with 10 men for 82 minutes. Ross done a great job in the second half in setting us up to get a point. DJ, once again clinical in what was a scrappy game. Defo, a point game. Wrecker Blue App said, should be happy to take the point after the red card. Referee was very busy today. 12 cards, not really a dirty game. Glad Super DJ scored again. I still don't understand why Johnson got a yellow card and their man didn't get anything. I presume, without seeing the incident, that win, it was only a yellow. He's reacted. He had said something as, as well as C said. But a few tweets mentioned that it wasn't really a dirty game but 12 cards dished out that's over 50% of the players on the pitch at a time Uh, Daniel underscore D44 said definitely a point one what a shift the players put in especially Coulson Brophy Clay and Johnson there's so much spirit in this team but it would be nice if we could score a league goal in the first half good point there Kid Sampson O said a superb point stomach is in knots but what an out but that was an outstanding effort from the boys and I'm so chuffed that I won't even dig out one player who put it put a shift who didn't put a shift in a nod in Ross's direction as well because it can be bright it can be tough to be brave enough to leave two up top when you're down to ten that's a fair point as well like you said earlier yeah. like we've we've not gone four four one you're not just going ultra defensive when you've gone down to ten men yeah, yeah. good point there Casey Adams LOFC said good draw away from home. Another goal from Johnson and this group showing they don't give up, which they probably would have done going 1-0 down so early on last year. 
But I do think Ling needs dropping. Deward double underscore seven said a very decent point. The first half was pony, but the second <laughs> half the boys really did dig dig in. Oh, and the ref was abysmal. John W nine 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 says credit to Ross. He's making good decisions tactically, and his halftime interventions are consistently impactful. It's a lot of big words in that sentence. Johnson <laughs> is on fire. Yeah, LOFC Teresa said, too many cards. Really don't understand how Barrow didn't get a red against DJ. Otherwise, pleased at how our team fought. Fantastic DJ goal and coming home with a point. If Wilkinson had scored, I'd have had some prediction points. <laughs> maybe <laughs> next time. Maybe next time. Orient underscore Edson. Very well-earned point there. Great finish from DJ. And Josh Coulson's blocking of everything shows that we are capable at both ends of the pitch. And that Josh is nowhere near done yet. A special shout-out to Joe Willowson. Did very well. I guess we haven't spoken about Willowson. Obviously went in at centre-back alongside Coulson following Happy's uh, sending off. And appears to have done quite well based on yeah. his tweets. Yeah, MS Orient said two strikers down, played with 10 men virtually the whole game. I would have taken that point from the start. Lawrence Vigarou was outstanding today, and Ross got the substitutes spot on too. Well done, O's. Luxford C said a very hard one point. Barrow were the better team overall, but we put everything into it and came close to scoring a winner a couple of times. Not bad, considering <coughs> we were man down for most of the game. Harsh, though. That red card was. I, don't, I disagree with that. I don't think it was a harsh I red think card. It was red, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've seen others get yellow. Other times you get yellow, other times he gets nothing. So maybe it is a harsh red if card. If that's Johnson running towards us in the south stand and their defender brings him down like that, we are baying for a red all 100%. day. Long, Chris W underscore one said to play 80 minutes with 10 men and get a point. Out of it is lovely stuff. Respect the point and roll on Walsall. Orient Fan TV said a well-earned point in the end after being down to 10 men for most of the match. Could have even won it when Wilkinson was through. We also should have lost it though with a missed free header from two yards out. The refereeing was National League standard to say the least. Up the O's. Steve Cab 121 said only one defeat in eight competitive games so far is a good solid start to the season in my opinion. Very good. Man United would, would have wished for that. 100%. Yeah, a lot of teams would, would, would take one defeat. Matty, yeah, yeah. Matty, LOFC Evans. Anything more than zero points with 10 men is a result. Kudos to the boys for battling back and digging deep at times. On to the next one. Yeah, new Twitter yeah, account for me, uh, NC700XA2012. Said, to be honest, I think the ref had taken some odd substance. Loved waving those cards around too. Spoilt what should have been a good game. Yeah, Stuart, 1973. Said, thought after the start we had with the sending off, we deserved at least a point. Battling the elements and the ref, composed and ensured performances by a number of the team and a great Great finish by DJ. I Heart Rushmore said it felt like we were clinging on in the first half, especially with the wind making it hard to get the ball out of our half. It was a red, sadly, but apart from that, the ref was atrocious. That point can make a big difference at the end of the season and shows real character. That's a really spot on sentence. Yeah, really yeah. good. Dave M, 18 12, said really good point. Very naive by Dan Happy. Too often, Happy and Widowson gift the ref. ref the option of a penalty or a sending off. Mm. Great fight back though, but we did ride our luck. Johnson is priceless. New contract, please. Man of the match for me, James Brophy. Boggs Dollocks one said the finish by Danny Johnson was sublime. Reminds me of Macca. Doesn't stop working and scoring for fun. Long may it continue. Yeah. A couple of people have compared him in that in that. Yeah, them two absolutely. In that way. Matt J Nash says it's great to see so much fight. Not just today, but all season so far. It's clear. They love playing for Ross. Promising signs. And if DJ keeps up this form, he's going to be priceless moving forward. 
Orient-itis said Barrow tested the ref from the off and realised they could get away with almost anything. Pushing DJ over the hoardings proved that. Playing, playing 80 minutes with 10 men could have been a disaster, but we dug in and put in a performance we could be proud of. Well done. Wheeler Dennis says, A game of football spot by an atrocious ref on the plus side. A really gutsy performance from the 10 men. Plus, what a bargain by Johnson is becoming a really class act. Pandemonium1881 said, When we're down to 10 men and one down away from home after 15, you'll always take a point. Poor defending again, though, for the sending off and the goal, but guts and passion to retrieve a draw are the positives, along with DJ, who's on fire. Sort the defensive frailties and we could go somewhere. Yeah, George Nicholas underscore one said, I don't get the complaints from today. We had 10 men all game. Game plan was ripped up. Were we great? No. Did we grow into the game and hold our own? Yes. How many teams with 10 men take points? Not many. Shame we didn't play 90 minutes, 11 versus 11, and win, but happy with the points and the final word this week goes to Stroud Greeno that was a great shift from the boys to come away with a point after giving ourselves a mountain to climb early on ridiculously card happy ref in a game that really wasn't that dirty so those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook I still can't believe how many tweets we get on a Saturday pre-match and the variation of them and as the well week. yeah amazing so thank you for sending us your tweets keep sending them in to us and let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets that have been read out you can do that by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or by emailing us at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com or by letting us know on Instagram Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast or on Facebook at Orient Outlook podcast so time for a design cabbie Prediction league update. Lots of you went for one all yesterday. So well done to David D. Hanu, Dan Orton 2590, at Record Blue app, at Spenno 011, at Bogs Dollocks 1, at Floodgates, and at Boatsy, who predicted one all, so got three points. But a bigger well done to at Wallerad, at Ben Whitlock 13, at Rob MCC 68, at Ox Ooch, at John McNabo, at Steve White LOFC, and at Andy Wobbs, who took the maximum four points. They predicted one all. And DJ to score one all Johnson is the new one all Simpson. Do you remember about three seasons ago, just one all Simpson all the time? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that means the top of the prediction league is as follows with LOFC 08 currently top by himself at 10 points, followed by George Girks on nine points. Lots of people following on seven, seven points. Dan Alton, London Gary W, Smokos, Boatsy, Spring Lynette, the Tipping Tim. at Wadsey. Thank you for all your predictions. We are so glad to get so many in two more matches coming up this week for you to get more points on. Absolutely. So that is Saturday rounded up. We move on to Sunday the 11th of October. The ladies were in league action away to Stevenage ladies and picked up their first three points of the season winning the game convincingly 3-0 with goals from Barton, Long and Smith. So congratulations and well done to the ladies. Yeah, well done there. So fantasy football update as we wrap up this podcast at 1 minute 18 minutes. Mary T. Yeah, Mary T. is top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league she's on 295 points ahead of Jamie Wellham in second place I'm currently doing not bad 109th place out of 296 players very very early on in the season if you want to join us on our fantasy football league uh, you can on fantasypremier.com the code is VNU22R very simple to do so just six digits so Positives and negatives. Let's let's do it. Oh, are there positives? Go for positives. I've done them a couple of times. Fine. So first positive was the performance against Wimbledon. A 90-minute performance coming off a bad, tough time for the club. Coming off the Cheltenham Cheltenham defeat. 90 minutes. Good squad run out and a 2-1. Lovely. Second positive, 
we're through to the last 32 of the AFL Trophy. Although not everyone might see that as a positive, yeah, considering but we'll, the fixtures and the tournament itself, but we're through in the Yeah, I mean, we, we see it, win two more games and you're in the quarterfinals and Wembley becomes a very real possibility. You know, so we'll take that uh, with a game to spare as well, like we mentioned uh, before. And the last positive was the draw against Barrow, considering we played 80 minutes against 10 men. Yeah. So with 10 men and a pretty poor... Referee. referee so we'll take the point and considering Barrow is a mission and the weather uh, by all accounts not a bad point there to, absolutely to so that leads me negative. to the negatives then obviously Leanne goes injury Dan Happy's red card and a theme of there being a sort of poorer first half this season as we mentioned earlier on so three negatives to balance out three positives and we now move on to our hero of the week bit of a head scratcher uh, in some regards, because it, you know, there's no necessarily stand out something no. great that's happened, and we don't want to consistently keep giving it to the same one or two people. So this this week, uh, we're giving it to a bit of an unsung hero. It doesn't really attract the attention that he probably deserves. Um, but this week, we're going to give it to Lawrence Vigaru. So well done to Lawrence Vigaru. We we kind of mention him every week, and he never wins. Wins it. So this week, he wins it. Made some decent saves yesterday uh, in a pretty pivotal game. Now, free kick save, if you haven't seen it, is well worth a look at. Fantastic save. So next week's fixtures, as we've alluded to, it's Tuesday, Saturday, all over again. First up, Walsall away on Tuesday, the 13th of October. Again, kicking off at 7pm. Walsall 12th in League 2. They are undefeated in nine games. Their best league run since 2013. They drew yesterday... One or at home with Colchester. They don't tend to win. They tend to draw most of their games. A bit like us, like quite hard to beat, um, which tells you it'd be a difficult game. They they all have a bit of confidence about them. They've got Adde Boyejo, not our one, but a different striker who's pretty tasty. He's got a few goals this season. Mm. Difficult game, but you know we've got nothing to to be afraid of. We'll go there with our heads held high and give them give them a good match, and hopefully can beat those green socked Walsall lads. A red top, white shorts and green socks. Doesn't make sense to me. Don't look good. But then we've got Grimsby Town uh, at home on Saturday the 17th of October. The kick-off at a slightly later time of half past five. Grimsby are 23rd in League 2 after drawing 0-0 away to Bolton on Saturday. But they've only played three out of five games due to a Covid outbreak uh, of their own. So I'm sure Ian Holloway will have them fired up. Bolton not doing very well this season no. yet either. No, they're down the bottom five or six, aren't they? So two difficult games, but you know, we'll those teams will be looking at us going, that'll be a hard game as well. So yeah. hopefully this time next week we're talking about two good yeah. performances. Did we over do the where minutes. we are in the league? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did that, yeah. Cool. So sponsorship okay. reminded him, don't forget for the best plastering rendering prices around Visit AJF Plaster and go online on his website, to his Facebook, to his Twitter, um, or give him an email. You can do whatever you want. He's perfectly reachable. Add, loving your work, mate, 15% off for all your plastering and rendering needs. And that is it for this week. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode 219. It's been a week of welcomed normality as it was all about the team, uh, how the team performed on the pitch and we have to say that considering the club are recovering from the recent COVID-19 pandemic they didn't do too badly at all it was a good win on Tuesday night saw us qualify from the group stages of the EFL trophy with a game to spare and a determined and gritty performance away to Barrow saw us take a point having played a large part of the game with only 10 men and the games continue to come thick and fast for the squad and hopefully this time Next Sunday, we'll be talking about another two decent results for Ross and the boys. Yeah, so if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give 
the podcast or if you know new reviews on iTunes this week very disappointing shame on yeah. you if you're listening on SoundCloud Spotify TuneIn or Stitcher or any other podcast platform add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts as soon as they're uploaded we're also on Amazon Alexas Google Echoes all the smart speakers um, that you would ever need so listening to the podcast is so easy and it's so easy to recommend the podcast to family friends anyone you like who's a bit bored and needs a bit of light hearted Leighton Orient football entertainment absolutely with the head coach of the club <laughs> on there so we're going to be back with episode 220 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm have a great week and listen to the Orient yeah. Outlook podcast up the O's thank you Ross <laughs>